Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, Innovations in Alzheimer's Disease and Related Dementias, or ADRD, Caregiver Support Programs, Building and Leveraging Support Systems. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on September 19, 2022. In this podcast, Katie Palmisano, a senior consultant at the Lewin Group, facilitates a panel discussion with Dr. David B. Rubin, MD, the Chief of the Division of Geriatrics at the University of California, Los Angeles, and the Director of the UCLA Alzheimer's and Dementia Care, or ADC, program, Dr. Deborah Cherry, Ph.D., a clinical psychologist and the Executive Vice President of Alzheimer's Los Angeles, Linda Wade Bickle, the Senior Director of Population Health and Clinical Operations at HealthNet, Ed Mariscal, the Director of Public Programs and Long-Term Services and Supports at HealthNet, and Anita Chacon-Terry, the Manager of Care Management at HealthNet. During this discussion, panelists offer strategies and promising practices regarding innovations in Alzheimer's disease and related dementias, or ADRD, caregiver support programs regarding building and leveraging support systems. We will now move into our panel discussion. The first question is for Dr. Rubin, Dr. Cherry, and Linda. Starting with Dr. Rubin, based on your program or experience, what are the innovations or opportunities that could be implemented within health plans for addressing health equity when supporting caregivers for persons with ADRD? Yes, thank you. I think one of the major things is linking persons living with dementia and their caregivers to community-based resources. They have much better context in terms of understanding the patient and, and or his environment and can tailor resources. Uh, the healthcare system is kind of a monolith, and the community-based organizations are much more personalized and much more fitting with the community. Thank you, Dr. Rubin. Dr. Cherry, do you mind providing your perspective? Sure. You know, I agree with Dr. Rubin that there has to be an emphasis on collaboration with community-based organizations, you know, they're embedded in the community and they be embedded in the culture. There are also, however, current opportunities due to the recent emphasis on population health. For example, as I mentioned in my presentation, you can use the health risk assessments that are becoming more common to identify caregivers and people with living with dementia and the, who were often invisible in the past. The entrance, also the emphasis on dementia care management or dementia care coordination provides opportunities to identify and address caregiver needs within the health plan with a culturally matched eye so that the care manager can connect families from different backgrounds to culturally appropriate services. Thank you, Dr. Cherry. Linda, could you share your thoughts in response to this question? Hi. Similarly, we have the opportunity to discuss the member and understand the member and caregiver needs and integrate this with the knowledge of the community to best align with and meet the needs of the member and the caregiver. 
Ed discussed an example of this earlier in matching the member needs to take services at the CBAS site. And also we take the opportunity to provide training to our health plan staff, medical groups, and community-based organizations on health equity issues to enable effectuation of the best solutions for specific member needs and their caregivers. Thank you, Linda. The second question is for Dr. Cherry, Ed, and Dr. Rubin. Dr. Cherry, how do you suggest health plans or providers customize caregiver support programs based on population characteristics? Well, first, you want to customize the caregiver supports to the needs of caregivers of people living with dementia specifically because these caregivers frequently have higher needs than people who are caring for people with many other conditions. The second level of customization would be by language and culture and literacy level, and that needs to be prioritized. And that means use of linguistically and culturally competent dementia care managers and development of relationships with community-based organizations that are linguistically and culturally capable of collaborating with your caregivers and other fam and the families. You want to make sure that you can access disease education that is matched linguistically, culturally, health literacy level to your the, the members in your health plan. So people, again, are able to read at only a sixth grade reading level or are not literate at all, you don't want to be providing them with regular college level disease education materials. You have to cater and bring what's needed by the people served by your health plan. Thank you, Dr. Cherry. Ed, do you mind offering your perspective? Sure, thank you. So here at the health plan, we must have systems in place to understand first what the what our member population characteristics are, because this isn't a guess. This isn't a wait-and-see situation. We engage in welcome calls and new member outreach, and during those opportunities to speak to our members, we identify the members' population characteristics, but also their caregiver supports that, support programs that they might need. Of course, it's super important to hire and train the right resources to support this population, based on the information we have available to us. And at the same time, it's incredibly important that we work closely with our CBOs, LTSS, and HCBS programs to ensure what we understand what their strengths and challenges are to ensure proper and timely and appropriate referrals and partnerships. Oftentimes when speaking to our members, they wish, they, they wish to receive services from a CBO that either a friend went to or someplace that is closest to their home. It's across the street or around the corner, they often say. What they don't know, or at least not initially, is that the CBO may cater to a different kind of population. And while close and good, they may not be the most culturally appropriate for them or their family. So we speak to them, we listen to them, we understand them, and together we make the decision on what is best for them. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Dr. Rubin, do you mind providing the final response to this question? Glad to. So uh, customization, customization really depends upon how you define the population. What characteristics are you defining it on? Is it what disease they have? It is a person's income, socio-demographic factors, utilization, other ethnic differences. 
So think of it this way. If you take the entire population and make a triangle, and at the top of that triangle, each of those, the triangle has a, a bunch of tiers. The top is the top 1%, then the 2 to 5%, 6 to 20%, 20 to 60%, and 60 to 100%. The needs of that population will, will differ depending upon where they fit in that triangle, which tier. So, for example, at our institution, that 60 to 100% that have very little need because the disease is not so severe and they don't have high utilization, they're plugged into an information referral system. But as the needs get greater, they're either it's either a dementia care assistant or a dementia care specialist. So it's defining it, make sure that you get it right, getting the right care for the right person. And that's, that's the best not only for, for the person, but also for the health system. Thank you, Dr. Rubin. And our third and final panel question is for Anita, Dr. Rubin, and Dr. Cherry. Anita, perhaps you can start. What strategies would you suggest care managers employ to build and sustain connections with caregivers of persons with ADRD? Yes, thank you. The most important thing to build and sustain connections with caregivers is listening to them, asking them about how caregiving is impacting them. So often our focus is on the member and the caregiver is forgotten. Caregivers themselves often forget about their own needs. Taking the time to talk to them, identifying what they need and connecting them to resources and letting them know that you're there for them too can really help make that connection. Thank you, Anita. Dr. Rubin, do you mind sharing your thoughts on these strategies? Sure. In our approach, we actually think of it as a dyad, the person living with dementia and the caregiver, and you have to meet the needs of both. And interestingly enough, our dementia care specialists don't like to be called care managers because they do much more than care management. They build relationships, and and that's really the key because living with dementia is a journey that has twists and turns, and having somebody who knows you, knows your values, and knows your situation, and having them being available are the key. Thank you, Dr. Rubin. And Dr. Cherry, I'll turn to you for the final response to this question. First, let me say that I agree with everything my co-panelists have said so far. I think the key question is, how do you build trust and enhance communication? And I know it does go a long way to be able to speak to people in their language and to have staff available to work with members who come from a similar culture. Not, not, necess- not absolutely necessary, but it is beneficial. It's also important for that individual to be an, in, an active listener and learn what the needs are and to be prepared to meet those needs in a way that's responsive to the member's socioeconomic status, their culture and their educational status. So you need to have resources that are low cost, that are accessible in many ways. Probably not an elder law attorney, but perhaps a legal clinic that caters to lower income over older adults. You want to let people know that you're available as the disease progresses and they can come back to you as new needs arise, which they will. And then finally, because there's so much stigma attached to these conditions, We have to recognize that family caregivers may be reluctant to speak about all that they need. You have to build trust in order to give them 
a safe environment so that they can speak frankly. Thank you, Dr. Cherry. And a big thank you to all of our presenters, all of our panelists for your engaging presentations as well as that thoughtful panel discussion. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. You can also find resources for integrated care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.